This is IA Forward, your playbook for success as an independent insurance agent. Here to help you knock it out of the ballpark are your hosts, Shane Tatum and Tanya Lead. Welcome to IA Forward and welcome to part two of our series on why you should join an agency group. Now this one we're going to talk about if you already have an established independent agency. I just had to throw this in there. I am so proud of us that we are doing two back-to-back part one, part two episodes without other episodes in between. I never thought we would actually accomplish this. It all comes back to your new word of the year. It's all about discipline. I want to start this out. I traveled recently to Tulsa, Oklahoma in the midst of winter storm Heather. The name of the storm was Heather? Yes. I missed them. Yes. And and I will say I've never experienced that kind of cold in my entire life. And I was ready to get back to Florida at the end. And everybody's flights were messed up. Nobody could get home on time. And I wanted to get back to Florida. I was ready to leave the sub-zero temperatures, and I I wanted to go home. And I was extremely proactive with the airlines in order to get home. Now, Houston's airport was shut down. Dallas's airport was shut down. Major interstates are shut down. Nobody thinks they can get home. I don't care if I have to go through Denver, St. Louis, Chicago, wherever I'm going to get home. And it was really interesting because I was traveling with about 20 different people. And I'm the only person who accomplished getting home the same day they were supposed to. Now, it was several hours later than I was supposed to. I didn't get home until after midnight, but I made it home. And the difference to me from what I saw was everybody else was happy with doing whatever the airline told them to do. If I can look at statistics and you want to reroute me to Houston and 96% of flights are not taking off after Houston, I'm not going to let you route me to Houston. That's dumb. I'm going to look at what's going on, where are flights being able to take off out of, and that's where I want to be rerouted to. And if 90% of flights aren't taking off out of Dallas, I'm not going to let you put me on a flight where I only have a 36-minute layover in Dallas. This does not make sense. I was very proactive pretty much all day long with the airlines, and I got home. And everybody else is still stuck either in Tulsa, Dallas, or Houston right now. They were all like, I can't believe you made it home. And it was because I was extremely proactive with researching with the airline. And I bring this up because it's relevant to our established independent agencies joining a group in this hard market. I love the way you're using proactive to define your Karen moments. I was extremely nice. I have already (laughs) written the Delta Airlines to let them know about the extraordinary people that helped me. I did not have Karen moments because (laughs) I was like, look, I get it. You want me to get home as badly as I want to get home. And I understand there is only so much you can do. Can we make this happen? And I was very nice. I was not a Karen. A little bit was a piece of luck. Because in Atlanta, when I was running through Atlanta, and I did have on tennis shoes, you should be proud of me on this one. 
they had already shut the door in Atlanta to Pensacola. But there were two pilots that they had shut the door on. And those pilots for the Delta Airlines needed to get to Pensacola or Pensacola wasn't going to have pilots in the morning. And they ended up opening the door for the two of them. And one of the guys was like, oh, but this is my sister. She's traveling too. And I really don't know if the gate agent believed him that I was his sister because he was a short redheaded guy. But they did let me on the plane. So I had a bit of luck there. I do have to have a shout out because somebody told a little white lie on my behalf. But all of that said, I was not a Karen. I was extremely nice. I'm sure you were. You know, a little bit of proactiveness, people take that too far. And that's what ends up in the Karen moments and having themselves filmed and then going viral, not in a good way, is because they don't know how to be proactive nicely. They don't know how to be persuasive in a professional manner, which also I can tie into established agencies joining an agency network. You're right. As an established agency, you probably have a decent market portfolio. We'll assume that you are an established independent. You are surviving, but you're not thriving yet. That's a really good mark when it comes to agents that join agency networks that are already established. And there is a lot of proactive opportunity here to seek a great partner and Find yourself in a position that can allow you to move past the survival piece into the thriving piece. There's actually a reason for most small to mid-sized agencies to join an agency network, regardless of success level that you find yourself at. Shane, that doesn't make any sense. I've got a carrier portfolio. I'm making money. I have a great staff. Why would I give up my commission to join a group? First of all, there's different pathways there for various agency networks. And if the assumption is that I'm going to have to give up something that I already have in my pocket, then you haven't looked in all the right places. I would ask you to keep looking. There are agency network models out there that will grow on the additions with you or that will have a fee type structure where they're not going to ask you to pay a percentage of commissions for what you already generate. The assumption from the existing or established independent agencies out in the marketplace is that if I do this, there's only one option and I'm going to have to give up what I've already earned. And I'm telling you, there are other options out there that allow you to do much more without having to do that. Shameless self-promotion. If you're interested in discussing that, reach out to us at IntegraAgent.com. The other thing is that where are you in terms of your support mechanism? There's a difference between three to five person agency and an eight to 12 person agency. Generally, it's premium volume. There's a lot of different resources that are available to that eight to 12 person agency than there are that three to five. I have this belief that three to five person agency is in a better place a lot of times than that eight-person agency. There's a place that I call no man's land, and it can be at premium levels. It can be at staff size. It obviously has a lot to do with whether you're personal lines focused, commercial lines focused, or more of a mixture of both, kind of a generalist. It's a place where the profitability of your agency is not at the level that it should be at because you're bigger. Just because you grew doesn't mean you're more profitable. Revenue, top line growth doesn't mean you're going to make more money. 
And as salespeople, by nature, we automatically think that's what it means. What happens with that is more revenue equals more support staff, more cost, more technology spend, more marketing spend in some cases. Whereas at that three to five user employee level, you are still in that small size and you're actually making a pretty good profit on your revenue as a percentage of revenue. But then... At seven, eight, nine people, you may be making the same profit, but with more headache and more overhead. You've got to either decide to push through on the other side of no man's land to the mid-size category, or you've got to shrink back to the small size. But that small to mid is a really tough spot to be profitable. It's also a place where I see agents get frustrated. That's why you call it no man's land. You feel like, okay, I've got to do something, but I don't know what that something is. But this place feels awkward and it feels like you're stuck and you don't know how to go forward and backward. And this is one of the places to me that it is so incredibly valuable to be a part of a group. My trip home from Tulsa, yes, I was able to almost get there. I was able to almost have success, but I had somebody step in at the last minute and I needed that extra little bit of help And somebody saw, okay, I can help this person, and they did it. And to me, that's one of those things that an agency group can do for you. Yes, it's the partnership. It's the support mechanism. What happens is you end up in this place where you have to start considering putting in some management infrastructure. And and you have to start thinking, I can't do all of this myself. I have to have someone in some level of a supervisory role. I have to figure out how to create an org chart, which I advocate that you should do that from day one. And you start trying to put these pieces together And you're just in a vacuum and you're operating in this vacuum. Maybe you're not able to find the right guidance in a group. A network can give you a lot of that. It can also allow you to hold off jumping into that management layer because maybe the network has a discounted VA program. Maybe they have support tools or servicing tools. Maybe they have things that allow you to be better where you're at. And this is where I love being able to stay at that four to five employee level, but still grow that revenue. One of the struggles that I've seen, though, when it comes to independent agents joining a group is I've never done it that way. I've always done it this way. And not being open to suggestion and change. It almost has that little bit of Karen, Kevin feel to it because I'm not going to do it that way. That's not the way I've always done it. And it almost feels negative because they don't want to make any kind of adjustments better. There's a place for that agent with the right group. I'm huge about find your people, okay? Find your group, your network that fits who you are, but be honest about who you are first. As an established independent agency, understand what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do because there are agency networks out there that if you join them for the mindset of, I need to pick up a few extra markets 
and then I don't want to do anything else. Okay, think about accessing markets through a standard preferred lines MGA, or think about finding a group that will allow you to be a cafeteria model kind of concept to pick the carriers you want and let go and just be this sort of free environment. That is something that is out there. But don't be the agent that says, I'm going to join an agency network for a few extra markets, but then join an agency network that is expecting you to just go all in, get involved, get involved with their consulting and guidance, get involved with their best practices. And then you're going to find yourself in this alien world because that also exists. Let's talk perpetuation. Let's talk legacy. I know so many that are agency owners are, are trying to build their legacy. This is their largest asset. For most people, that's their home. But for us as agency owners, this is it. And we want to build this legacy that we can pass on to the next generation of our family or that can be sold to provide for families long term. How does an agency group help or hurt the idea of perpetuation? It can help. There's a few situations where it can hurt, and I'll touch on that as well, but picking the right program that does what you're needing it to do, that serves your life cycle where you're at the time. One of the things that I see in the marketplace with agencies that fall into this category, most of them are in that small to no man's land size, and they're trying to figure out how to either get to the next level or they're trying to figure out how to sustain their asset until it's retirement time. Because let's face it, it is our largest asset. It is our retirement plan for most agency owners. There's no pension. There might be a 401k if you've set one up for yourself and your employees, but it's pretty much it. Other than saving and investing profits and putting money away, the sell of our agencies is retirement in a lot of cases out there. I see a lot of agents and agency sizes that would be much better served inside of an agency network for the purpose of perpetuation than just out in the marketplace, flopping on the beach like a fish out of water, not knowing where to go, connecting with one of these agency broker guys, not the big M&A experts. Those guys are really good. We've used a couple of them over the years. Those guys are great. The issue there is they mostly deal with mid to large agencies. They don't typically deal with small agencies. With inside a lot of the agency networks, you connect with someone, you connect with a peer, you get to know someone, you might become a mentor to a younger agent that has aspirations. You're 60 and you connect with a 30-year-old and there becomes a relationship and mentorship. And the next thing you know, you're thinking retirement and they're thinking growth and y'all become a match made in heaven introduced through the agency network. I see that happen a lot. And that's the piece that I feel like an agency network can help solve for agency owners, established agency owners, if they join the right place. Being part of a group, does that help or hurt the valuation of your agency? It depends on the agency network. There are groups out there that take equity in your book of business to join the group. They become owner in certain ways, in different ways. Some agency network contracts are so restrictive that you can't sell. There are other agency network contracts that are a little more free that allow you to 
develop that relationship and sell within the group. But if you just can't find your match, allow you to go into the open market as well. Finding the right place where you don't have all these restrictive covenants going on can certainly enhance the value, but it can create a devaluation in your book if you belong to a group that prevents you from doing something. You have to watch out for that. You have to be careful about what you sign, what agreement you're jumping into. There's a lot of organizations out there that are putting hooks into people, and it's really hard to get. You've ever been fishing and got a hook stuck in you? You can just go with the first part of that question, which is, have you ever been fishing? And the answer to that question is no. We have learned that boating and fishing are two different things. And I enjoy boating, but anything that involves actual fishing out in the Gulf, no. I'm so glad you introduced me to the word boating because I know that my wife loves boating, but I agree she's not fishing. So I need to remember that, that boating is her thing, not fishing. But anyway, you get a hook in your finger. Don't ask me how I know this. It's hard to get out, especially if it's barbed. And sometimes you have to cut it off and pull it on through. There's a lot okay. of- Okay, excuse me? Yeah, you don't know this. You can't just pull a barbed hook out of your finger. It'll rip it. Don't get sick on me on the podcast. So- I'm trying. Okay, next subject. Keep going. Keep going. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I'm turning white over here about this concept. Ow. You have to cut the back end of the hook from the line and you have to pull it on through because you can't pull the barb back out. That's just East Texas stuff for you out there in podcast world, just so anybody needs to know that. But before Tanya gets nauseous on us. Tanya is already (laughs) nauseous on us. Let me just let you know that. These contracts have hooks and you have to be careful about those hooks. You have to understand the basis of what the network does. And that's why I say, find your people. I'm not bashing the network. Let me be clear here. They have a business model that I fully respect and they have a contract that I fully respect. And they've presented that contract to the marketplace and people are signing that contract. People don't read the contract or they become desperate about something and say, this thing gives me this small piece of what I want. I'm going to sign it. And then they look up in 10 years and go, holy crap, what did I do? That's the part that I want you to get out of this as an established agency. Your people are out there. And look, objectively, there's many situations where at the Integra Network, we're not your people. And that's okay. We figured that out. And we figure it out regularly sometimes that we are looking for our people and we hope that our people find us. There are other networks that have their people. There are other networks that these hooks are good things for those established agencies. That sounds weird to say it that way, but there are situations where it's better. So that sounds a little crazy to say out loud, but it's true. Some networks have certain things that established agencies need and other networks have things that established agencies need. And it really just depends on who you are, where you're at in the marketplace geographically and where you're at in your agency life cycle. There's just not a one size fits all situation here. Is there any point to use your analogy that it makes sense as an established agent to pull the hook out? 
and try something else? Is there a point that it's a good idea to leave the agency group, to go out on your own? I can't imagine in the hard market that we're in right now, that's the best option for anybody. I'm sure it is for someone, but why would pulling the hook out be a good idea? Yes, there's a good time and it's as soon as possible. As soon as you figure out that you've made the wrong decision, it's as soon as possible, regardless of your sunk cost. And for definition there, that means money is spent and gone and you think you've got to stay because you spent that money. Have you seen the young lady that videoed her firing? I have not seen that. There's this young lady, a Gen Z. She's filmed her firing on Zoom video call. She's pushed back. She's talking with the HR reps. Uh, the manager is not on the call. It's gotten a lot of comments from both sides, people supporting her, people supporting the company. It's a sales position. She wasn't performing. She was let go with about 40 other salespeople. They have 1,200 salespeople. The CEO has weighed in. I love what he says here. This should be applied to agencies joining agency networks. He admits they screwed this up. They didn't do this well. But he said, our goal is we can tell within about three months if a salesperson's a good fit, if they're going to make it or not. And as soon as we figure out that they're not going to make it, we want to move them down the road so they can find the right people they're supposed to be with, so that they can find a place that they're going to thrive in. This is wonderful. Because what we do, we're creatures of habit. And if we've got a job, this young lady has a job, she's secure in that job. If she's mediocre, she might thrive in something else, somewhere else. I like the concept. The execution here by this company was terrible. The same thing applies to agency networks and agencies. Established agencies for sure are much more apt to find themselves in this situation. As soon as you figured out that you made a mistake, then get out. Take the loss on of the money. This is just my opinion. If you wait and say, oh, I'm going to wait a few years so I can get my money's worth of whatever you spent to get in. Guess what happens three years down the road? The hook is deeper. So if the hook just keeps getting deeper and deeper, the harder it is to get out. The answer to that question to me is as soon as you figure out that you're in the wrong place with the wrong people, you pull the ripcord and you get out. And then you go look for your people. I love this idea of admitting you're in the wrong place and having the gumption to take that loss. It's harder to do in real life. It's harder to say, I've made this huge fiscal mistake, or they own a certain percentage of my group, or I can't get out. I've spent the last eight to 10 years building this. I can't take my customers with me, so I'm going to leave it. Yeah, it's really easy to say, get out, but it's a lot harder to do. It is hard to do because it's uncertain and it's scary. But we are talking about established agencies here and there is revenue. It's a lot harder to make that leap from that producer side. That's really hard because you're starting over pretty much, just like the captive guys starting new agencies. Established agencies, you shouldn't be losing revenue. There's not a revenue loss. There's not a book of business loss. It should be a lot easier for you to go, uh-oh, we made a mistake. But doing it without burning a bridge, how you do it is really important. You have a conversation face-to-face -face if possible. Video, screen, don't just make a phone call. Now that we have this technology, definitely don't just send an email. Have conversations. Help them understand it's just not a fit. Don't burn the bridge. This is important. This is what I would respect. I, I would respect 
someone coming and sitting down or calling or getting on a, want to set up an appointment and saying, Hey, I just don't think this thing works for me. I just think I've got to do something different. 100% respect for that. Sending us just this termination letter on our contract after we've gone all in, we're still going to reach out. We're going to want to have a conversation. We're going to want to figure out what went wrong. And it's okay to say, you're just not my people. That's full honesty. It's just didn't work. I just don't like the vibe I get here. I need to do something different. I don't know why we're afraid to do that, but we are. We're really afraid to do that in a lot of situations and it makes us feel bad and so forth. So that's the way business should be done. Let's look at a different scenario. I am in a partnership with one or two other people with an independent agency and I decide I want to go out on my own. How do I do that? What does that look like? Definitely face-to-face. <laughs> There's an opportunity there. Obviously, you may be met with something different, and I can't control that. What I can say is control your controllables, your attitude towards it, your tone towards it, not being accusatory about you guys are terrible. I want to get away from you. That's not the right approach. Hey, I just want to do this on my own. I want to take my book there may be some negotiations. There may be some buyouts. There may be some things that you have to do. You're going to have to create and negotiate what that looks like if you're a partner. But you should be able to find some common ground with reason. Hopefully, the partnership, the company agreement, the partnership agreement, hopefully it speaks to this because you went into it day one with the exit in mind because that's rule number one in partnerships is go in looking at the exit first. Since most people don't do that, I wish they would, but since most people don't, because early on, they think the world is always going to be bliss and wonderful and as it is today in the beginning. And that's just not reality. And so you're going to have to sit down. You're going to have to be face to face. You're going to have conversations about, I want to do this. What do you want out of it? I should be able to take my book, all of the different pieces. And then I really think an agency network is a really good place for you to go. We've helped people in this situation. It's worked out really well. And it's something that is definitely built for the agency network environment. I'm going to leave us today with this quote from Alex Morgan. Always work hard, never get up, and fight until the end because it's never really over until the whistle blows. Attitude's a choice. Make a great one. Bye, y'all. Ready to get the ball rolling with your independent agency? Learn more at IntegraAgent.com. That's IntegraAgent.com. Thank you for joining us on IA Forward. Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now or learn more at IAForward.com.